0: Italian Wine Podcast, Chinchin with Italian Wine People.
1: Hello, you're listening to the Italian Wine Podcast with Monty Walden. Today's guest is Elena Pantalioni of the La Stoppa Winery in Northwest Emilia Romagna. Elena.
0: Hi, Good. hi everybody.
1: Good to see you. Good to see you. So where should we start? Natural wine, your career when you worked in a bookshop, your family, the history <laughs> of the estate. We've got seven hours to do the interview, so <laughs> we're really not going to be rushed today. Okay. <laughs> so let's just, let's just maybe start with a little bit of the, the history of La Stoppa and how your family got involved in La Stoppa.
0: Okay, yes. La Stoppa has been founded at the end of the uh, 19th century by a lawyer from Genova named Ageno. That's why we make a wine called Ageno. And my father bought the estate in 1973. He always uh, told us that um, during the Second World War, he was in the countryside because of the bombing in town. So with his bicycle, he was a young boy. He was going down La Sopa, and he was dreaming about this place. And so in 1973, he could afford and he bought it. He was a printer. My grandfather was a printer. We are from town, from Piacenza, which is about 15 minutes from La Stoppa. So he didn't have any agriculture, farming knowledge, but he he started with a lot of passion and uh, he was very ambitious. So he always said that... uh, he wanted to do the best uh, wine uh, ever <laughs> of the area. He knew that there was a potential to make a, a good uh, long-aging wine, despite of the fact that the area is most uh, renowned for uh, mainly sparkling red and whites. But our soil and our climate is a slightly different from the rest of the um, province. So even Ageno, the previous owner, always made more um, aged wines and he didn't make any sparkling wines. So one of the
1: things that's happened at La Stoppa over the years is this move away from some of the historic Bordeaux grapes that were left by the previous owner and a move to indigenous Italian varietals. How hard was that for you in terms of selling the wine? Do people just want to buy Bordeaux grape wines or were they into the Italian grape varieties?
0: When I started to work at La Stoppa in 1991, and I also, I don't have any farming uh, studying before, I always asked myself why. To do things and why people should buy my wines. So in order to have answers on these questions, I think uh, that uh, identity is uh, something very important. And since I'm not uh, in a um, strong appellation, Colli-Piacentini is really unknown area for quality wines. I thought that um, the best challenge uh, would have been uh, trying to give more value to local grapes like Barbera and Bonarda or Malvasia di Candia Aromatica for white grapes. I think that uh, with these grapes we can uh, tell a unique story And with um, international varieties such as Chardonnay or Sauvignon or Pinot Noir or Cabernet that they were planted at La Stopa before, what we can do is always a copy, maybe a wonderful copy, but still a copy of something that has been produced for many, many years in historical areas of the world. So maybe it's more challenging to sell uh, indigenous varieties, but I think that now, more than before, it's easier. People are looking for uh, most unknown varieties from Italy instead of, as I said, a copy of something else. And I learned this working. Why Why people from all over the world, uh, they would buy a Sauvignon from Colli Piacentini when you have, great Sauvignon, more or less at the same price, with the same philosophy from Sancerre or from other historical areas. That's why we decided to take them away.
1: Should we talk a little bit about your style of working? You're, you're often described as a natural wine grower, a natural winemaker. Are you happy to be called that?
0: But if it's useful, it's just a name. I mean, it's not... If it's useful to define a style... Okay, I don't uh, call myself uh, a natural wine producer. I call myself uh, a wine producer because uh, I learned uh, to make wine in this way in 91. Giulio Armani, that still works with me, started with my parents in 1980 and he learned to make wine like this. So very low intervention, no selected yeasts, very low sulfides, filtration if if it needs, and that's it. So for me, this is wine. What happened in the last maybe, I don't know, 30 years has changed so much the style of Italian wine, not just Italian wines, but since I'm in Italian, I, I speak about Italian wines. And to me, it's always been astonishing how the style of many, even more, much more important wine producers or wine areas of my area has changed so much the style of the wine for the market uh, to sell more bottles in the United States, for example. I don't think that there is just one market. I think um, that there are different markets for different wines. But uh, in Italy, we we also have the responsibility to keep our traditions very strong. And our wines have to tell a story that, uh, for example, a New World wine, of course, can't tell. It was an easy decision to take because uh, I grew up with this style of wine. And then, of course, in um, 2002, we released the first vintage of Ageno, which is the wine that um, is presented here today. And it's a white with skin contact maceration, is what uh, in in the US or UK you call um, orange wine.
1: And the the great varieties for Ageno, this white wine are?
0: Malvasia di Candia Aromatica now is mainly, like I would say 80%, and the rest is uh, Ortrugo, And Trebbiano.
1: And what does a skin contact white wine entail? How do you make it?
0: It's vinified like a red uh, grape, exactly like a red grape. We make long. Like,
1: Like a red wine,
0: yeah like a red wine. We make a longer maceration, like in the last vintages, uh, about three, four months. It depends on the quality of the grapes.
1: So that means you're leaving the clear juice inside the grapes in contact with the skins?
0: Yes, because usually the whites are vinified without the skins. There is a direct pressing. In this case, uh, we treat the, the white grapes exactly like a red variety. Because uh, if the goal is to make a wine that really expresses the terroir, there is just one vinification that is suitable. It's not according to the colour of the grapes that you you should change the type of vinification.
1: What's the effect on the taste and the colour when you make a white wine? Normally when you have a white wine in a restaurant, it's almost like water.
0: Yes, in this case uh, it's more orange. That's why you call it orange wine. Because the, the white grapes are never white. So they are uh, like uh, amber color and the tannins, because um, in the skins uh, there are uh, tannins. So even the service temperature is very important for a wine like this, because uh, it hasn't been served uh, like a white wine, so chilled. We suggest to, to serve it at about 14, 15 degrees.
1: Many people see you as a hero of the natural wine movement. Are you happy to be called a hero for it?
0: <laughs> a hero for what? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I make my job. I do it with passion. I chose to do this, even if when I was younger I had a bookshop. So um, that's uh, my other passion: books. If a hero means uh, to be responsible, to do things with passion, to maintain a very open. Uh, I towards everything, towards uh, other wines. Uh, I'm very curious. I'm a drinker. I wouldn't say I'm a drinker before a producer, but I drink a lot because I, I like the wine and I know, and I learned so much drinking different wines. I like to meet uh, producers. I share experiences and I found so many good friends, nice people in our work um, ambience. So yeah but I don't feel myself a hero, I just do my, do my job. And my job is making wine, we don't have to forget it. We are not saving lives or we make wine, we are farmers.
1: <laughs> You're very much a non-fundamentalist in the natural wine movement. Do You sometimes get a little bit, um, not annoyed, but um, when you see some of, this, some of the fundamentalism that can surround organics, biodynamics,
0: natural, even conventional wine, does that frustrate you? I'm aware of that. So very happy to be here, very happy to go out from my comfort zone to let the people know about my wine, my job. And I don't see any differences between me and other bigger or more conventional producers.
1: Who will be the next generation at Lastopper when you hang up your winemaking boots?
0: I have a nephew, my, my brother's son, who is already working with me. And uh, who knows? His name? Raffaele. And I have other three nieces and nephews. But I feel myself very young. I want to (laughs) stay here for a while. And Giulio too. So we'll see.
1: What I like about you is you're the uh, epitome of a wine grower. A lot of wine growers don't actually spend much time in the vineyards just looking at your weather. I, I, I don't mean this in real your weather-beaten face. You really are a lady, is a, I would say, a country woman. You live and breathe the country. You can see that in your, in, in your demeanor. Uh, everything you say is, is coherent and ultimately the proof is in the pudding. You make some outstanding wine and that doesn't happen by chance lovely to see you
0: thank you thank you Monty thank you very much
1: and you're going to have to teach me how to speak proper English because your English is, is <laughs> <laughs> such an expensive education and your English is better than mine
0: <laughs> I don't think so but it's okay thank you
1: thanks Anna Bye.
0: follow us at Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook